is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This is most certainly true. Jesus is alive and death is dead. His tomb is empty and our hearts are full. His promises are fulfilled. The victory has been won. Easter brings fullness and life and joy and meaning and hope into our lives and brings them in fullest measure. Our songs of Alleluia will never end. Join us to worship our risen Lord with this Easter sermon recently delivered at Grace. Jesus commands and enables us to love one another. These words will also serve as the basis for today's sermon, the gospel according to John chapter 15. Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. The Gospel of the Lord. If you heard a loud screech, crash, and crunch just outside right now, my guess is that there are many of you who would really have the urge to run outside and check it out. Not just, of course, to gawk, but to offer assistance in whatever way you could until the EMTs arrive. But when the professionals are on the scene, they prefer that you don't stay around so that they have room to do their thing. I've got nothing but the highest regard and respect for dental hygienists and dentists, but when they're done with their poking and polishing, I have no real desire to stay around in their office. There are some situations and circumstances when we don't want to stay around, but then again, there are others when we do, like hearing the echoes of the final notes of a magnificent concert soaring to the heavens, Or like the grand finale of a 4th of July fireworks display. It bursts into the sky and fizzles just as quickly. Oh, how we wish we could prolong those blissful moments. That we could remain in the beauty and joy. Jesus' disciples fidgeted and fretted because he had told them I'm going away. 
But they needed to keep their ears open because he went on to describe how they would be able to make it through all the difficult times that were ahead of them, not just in the next few hours and days, but throughout their life. A truth that's important for you and for me has a huge impact. When we deal with everything that's going on around us and in our own lives, we can do that best and cope with it all when we remain in Jesus' love. This is getting old hat uh, because anyone and everyone can do it. But I couldn't resist, resist checking. There were 25 billion, 270 million results in 0.79 seconds when I googled definition of a friend. I didn't read them all. But here's a couple I came across. A friend is someone you respect and who respects you. Someone whom you trust and who trusts you. Or this one. A friend is someone who always forgives you no matter what. And here's another. A friend is someone who not only doesn't care if you're ugly and boring, but doesn't even think about it. You may have a friend who'd be willing to loan you a lawnmower or their car, but a real friend is someone who comes through when the chips are down. Jesus made that specific in today's gospel from John's Gospel, chapter 15. Greater love has no one than this, than one lay one's life down for one's friends. I'm sure you've heard of stories of Situations like the young soldier from a small town in Wisconsin who drowned in a canal near Baghdad during one of the Gulf Wars trying to rescue his fellow Marines who had been downed in a helicopter crash. We would certainly agree with the words of Jesus. The most vivid demonstration of friendship, love, is when a person's willing to give up their own life for others. But Jesus takes it up a notch. Just 12 hours before hanging on the cross, he's talking to his first followers and telling them that he's going to be giving up his life for them. And the point is, remember to whom he is speaking. He's talking to people like Peter, who was soon going to deny him. Like James and John, who selfishly clamored for positions of glory in his kingdom. Like Philip, who didn't think he'd be able to feed a crowd of well over 5,000 people with just a few pieces of fish and bread. Or Matthew, who had been a greedy, conniving tax collector. We smile when we hear about a rich person offering $10,000 to help the poor. Our eyebrow goes up if we hear about a billionaire who wills his entire estate to his chauffeur, but our mouths just drop open in awe and amazement that the Son of God himself would give up his life for people who are crude, careless, and caustic, for people who are greedy and guilty, for people who are rude and insensitive, for people who are self-centered and self-satisfied, that he would give up his life for people who were originally his enemies, that he would give up his life for a sinner like Me, and like you. No wonder the disciples 
wanted to remain in his love. Did they deserve that love from Jesus? No. Do we? Of course not. But the Bible tells us that God demonstrates his own love for for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Don't Don't you just want to linger in that love so intense and intentional to make sure that we don't have to be afraid of God's anger but always are assured of Jesus' promise as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Remain in Jesus' love. Two elderly gentlemen had enlisted in the armed services together and they actually ended up serving in war together. In the twilight of their years, they had planned an evening out with their wives at dinner. And as the meal was to begin, one of the men lifted his glass and said, Friends may come and friends may go. Friends may disappear, we know. But we've been friends in many ways, even through the darkest days. No one else knew what the two of them went through when their entire platoon had been killed and they were huddled together in a foxhole with bullets whizzing by their ears. No one else knew how the two of them together had pulled out the body parts of a fellow soldier from the pit made by a mortar blast. That kind of intimate, personal, close friendship love is the love Jesus had for his first followers. They, of course, would always be his servants. They were linked to him as their only Lord and Savior, but they were not merely servants because servants don't know the plans and purposes behind the leader's command. Servants just obey. But Jesus raised them to a higher level. He said, you are my friends. I no longer call you servants. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. He revealed to them the mysteries of God's plan to rescue the human race from hurtling into the abyss of hell. He told them that he had come into this world to pull them from the mortar pit of sin. He told them that he was going to come back to life and withdraw his visible presence so that he could be invisibly always with them everywhere. He told them about his love, took them into his confidence, and entrusted them with the good news that is the only news that gets people to heaven. No wonder these disciples wanted to remain in Jesus' love. The Bible is God's love letter to sinners like us. Through his holy words, Jesus comes into our hearts, comes into our lives, and draws us close to himself, invites us to cling to his promises of life and forgiveness. Take those words into your heart and you'll experience comfort and peace throughout all of your life, no matter what happens. Just as Jesus described when he prayed to the Heavenly Father, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known to them in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Don't you just want to linger in that love so intimate and personal and close, aimed right at you and at me, assuring us that the love of God is even better than a mother's love as God draws us 
close to his own heart and wraps us and hugs us in his arms, remain in that love. Generally speaking, people make friends among people of their own peer groups. It's only natural that moms with little kids, nice reference on Mother's Day, that moms with little kids have friends with other moms who have little kids. It only is natural that couples who enjoy plays and concerts become friends. It is only natural that college students who go to the same university or college and have similar curriculum or extracurricular activities become friends. Jesus said that he is our friend, but we are not in his peer group. To think so would be the height of arrogance. And he reminds his disciples and us, you did not choose me, but I chose you. It's not as though we're going to look at him and say, well, Lord, you did a pretty good job in choosing me to be your friend because I'm the best friend you could ever imagine. No. The Bible says God saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. This connection we have in his friendship love certainly is, first of all, humbling. That we have a connection with the Son of God. But it's also inspiring. Listen to this. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love each other as I have loved you. And just so that it sinks into our brains and into our hearts, he repeats himself and says again, my command is this, Love each other. If you had friends who came to you and said, if we die, we want you to take care of the spiritual nurture of our children. That wouldn't be a burden. You would consider that a very high honor. In a similar way, it's not a burden, but a high honor and privilege to follow the commands of our loving Lord Jesus. His love inspires us. His love is the power pack, the energy source inside that wells up and flows out in love to others. It's not as though we can just show up at church and sort of sit back and think to ourselves, well, I'm kind of glad to be a member here. I get to go to church and get filled up inside spiritually and I'll keep coming back as long as the sermons aren't too boring. But no, the Lord Jesus wants his love to be in our heart, not like a river that's backed up behind a dam and has no outlet, nor does he want us to be disconnected from others like Chuck Nolan on a deserted island. That's the character Tom Hanks played in the movie Castaway. No, his love is inspiring. It builds up inside of us and seeks an outlet. And you have that all around you. I'll give you an example. During this springtime season, ten young people at our congregation publicly confessed their trust in Jesus and promised their faithfulness to the Lord for a lifetime. This rite of confirmation is a joyful event. It puts a smile on the faces of parents and grandparents. We pastors are overjoyed too and thankful for every confirmand. But you can probably imagine what is uppermost in our mind when we think of those young confirmands? Will they remain in Jesus' love? 
The answer, of course, to that depends greatly on the example set by their parents. But you can have an impact too. In fact, following worship, as you're planning to head out over to the Grace Center for Bible study, angle first down the ramp and in our gathering area of the old parish center, on the bulletin board, read the essays written by our confirmands. Check out their names on the bottom. And then send me an email or text. I'll give you their address. You can send them a word of encouragement. I'll point them out to you. So you can come up to them socially distant, and you can say a word of encouragement, remain in Jesus' love. This is how the love of Jesus inspires you and flows out as an example of love to others. The people of the ancient nation of Israel had turned their back on God and dove headfirst into ritualistic behaviors, trying to fool themselves into calling that worship. I don't want you to lose your breakfast, but I'm going to say it anyway. Here's what they were actually doing. They went to pagan temples and consorted with prostitutes. Babies were made. And it gets worse. Not in every case, but very often. They treated those children like garbage. And I don't mean just being mean to them. I mean treated them like literal garbage and sacrificed them in fires to heathen idol gods. That's disgusting. But if you think that's bad, imagine the alternative to remaining in Jesus' love. The alternative to remaining in his love is not a neutral existence, as if to say, well, Jesus, eh, I can take him or leave him. Religion, eh, it's not that important. I'm okay on my own. No, the alternative to remaining in Jesus' love is to be unloved and unwanted by the Heavenly Father, dangled over the fires of hell and eventually dropped in. You don't want to go there. Remain in Jesus' love. Not because you're scared of the alternative, but because he has rescued you from the alternative with his intentional, intimate, and inspiring love. The hymn writer was right. We're the whole realm of nature mine. That's a tribute far too small. Love so amazing, so, de- so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, visit www.gracedowntown.org. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.